Hello and welcome. I'm Jonathan Beale, and this is the ASB Investment Podcast, a show that keeps you up to date on the market and helps you make smart choices with your investments. With the move to alert level one, are things looking up for the economy? In today's episode, I chat to Chris Tenner-Brown about what the latest economic data is telling us. Plus, we talk about the record low mortgage and term deposit rates we're seeing. These are entirely our own views. It's not investment advice, but we know plenty of experts at ASB that will be happy to chat if you need. Hey, Chris, good to, good to be talking to you again. Uh, how are things with you? Oh, not too bad, thanks. I'm enjoying some uh, alert level one freedom. It's uh, it's amazing, still an amazing feeling to, uh, to to be here after a few strange, strange months, isn't it? Yeah, well, we, well today is officially like first day of level one. And it doesn't actually seem that long ago. It was level four, and it was peaceful outside, and there was no traffic, and you could sort of walk around, um, but you couldn't get a coffee. Um, and then we moved slowly into level three, and well, what was level three? We decided level three was sort of level four with um, KFC. KFC. Uh, uh, level t- level two seemed to be pretty much um, um, back to sort of back to normal really but now at level one everything's just the borders really i suppose and uh, hand sanitizers are the two things that are two things that are different have you got any um have you got any plans on uh, level level one what's the what's the first thing you're gonna do oh well i started out this morning my life was a little bit easier very first thing i uh, i took a bunch of school kids for a little tour around the uh, the hangar where i uh, go flying from and it was uh, the first time i haven't had to uh, stand there for 15 minutes with um people filling in names and all of that sort of stuff it was it was nice to uh, go back to a slightly simpler uh, life and i uh, shook hands with someone uh, that was uh, oh. that was something i'd stopped uh, stopped doing and uh, i'd already hugged my aunt so um i didn't need to worry about that but i, uh, I i'm enjoying uh, life getting a little bit simpler that's for sure yeah, I haven't hugged anyone. I did shake hands with someone today that I hadn't seen for a while, which was nice to do. Uh, but uh, hopefully um, life will get back to uh, what it was previously with just maybe some some learnings that we've all taken from uh, from lockdown. And hopefully, because some of the stuff has been actually, there's some positives in this whole, in this whole thing that, uh, especially some of this working from home and uh, spending more time on with with family and stuff so there's definitely been some positives but uh, we might talk a little bit about what um what level one means for the new zealand economy that we keep hearing um sort of quotes that you know 95 percent back to what it was and maybe it's not going to be as bad as we all thought what, what are some of your views chris on how the new zealand economy is going to go now in level one yeah that 95 percent number gets uh, gets put around a bit and and i'm sure for a lot of people that uh, that they're sharing those th- feelings of of their things getting back to 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 normal but i think that the important bit is that missing five percent is going to take a while to come back um the obvious uh missing part is is tourism at the moment and the domestic travel sounds like it's starting to pick up with people uh, getting on planes and traveling around to places they've wanted to go to uh, but that's still going to be a um, a big a big hole in the uh, the economy for the service sector and the and the tourism sector so there's still some big challenges to come but for a lot of us it's going to feel like we're back to normal and i think one of the things which is going to be tough to understand is as the worst of the 
slowdown's going to be behind us in terms of we were saying in level four only 60 percent of the economy was functioning okay now 95 percent is but a lot of the bad news will keep flowing through over the the next few months we're seeing uh, even this week uh, firms uh, still needing to restructure layoff staff places like here in new zealand still haven't got their business quite shaped up the way that it'll probably end up and so things like the unemployment rates uh, will probably peak um, in the months to come rather than now which uh, which might be a bit of a surprise to people but that's that's what we've been saying all along the good news is though uh, when we're coming out uh, into this low alert level now uh, we do adjust our forecast we think the economy is growing a bit better than what we thought it would be at this stage so hopefully that means that uh, a lot of firms will be able to hang on to their uh, employees and the unemployment rate won't get as bad as it as we thought it might in some of our worst case scenarios so maybe we'll end up with an unemployment rate about eight percent which is still bad but not the ten percent or more that we worried about and a week ago we're going to see a bit of a sort of um um almost like a sort of a, a positive period for, for uh, in the short term as people sort of, you know, release from level, you know, level two and into level one and they go out and they spend and they do all these things that they haven't done um, for a while. You know, I was at um, in the, on the North Shore at the, at the weekend going around a few shops and it was just I couldn't find a car park. Like it was like so many people out and about. People seem to be sort of catching up on all this spending they haven't done. But surely with sort of, firms laying off people and people who have maybe um you know deferred their mortgage payments or had to have some financial support from the government and 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 help by the bank that's surely that's going to start to feed into the economy maybe um a couple of months down the track is that is that something you think might happen yeah very much so so there's there's no doubt there's a lot of pent-up demand um We've we've seen it as we come through each stage as the the, the queues at the at the fast food when we came out of level three, the uh, the queues at the hairdressers and and level two, um, and 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 so on. The thing which is still going to have an impact is a lot of people have really suffered financially through this. Businesses um, have taken a, a a lot of strain, and so that will impact the level of consumption we see down the down the track now the government support is critical here this is where they've really cushioned the blow uh, but there will be people that uh, unfortunately continue to lose jobs over the over the coming months and so that's going to affect them in a terrible way uh, and and those concerns and fears will will hold over uh, into people's general thinking about things like whether now's a good time to spend money on a big ticket item. So I think it'll be really, uh, really patchy uh, in some ways. Uh, and, and there'll be a number of different experiences ranging from people that are straight back to normal because their work hasn't been interrupted and their income hasn't been interrupted over this period through to people that are that are really going to be doing it, doing it tough. So when we put around these numbers like 95% uh, recovery and that sort of thing, um, we know that there's a really wide range of experiences in there and some of them are really tough. That'll be a theme for the next six months within the economy for sure. Yeah. And how important do you think this sort of trans-Tasman bubble is for tourism? Because there's only so many places that New Zealand can all get out and start exploring and stuff. We, we, we actually need more people coming to New Zealand, don't we? Is that, is that going to 
if that if that does happen, is that going to be a big a big influence in how tourism survives? It's 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 a really important development. Uh, I think people will see this as a step back to normality when we can travel a bit more. Um, there's a lot of Kiwis living in Australia that want to come home and see their uh, their their families and and vice versa, and it's our um, biggest single source of, of tourists is from Australia. So about a quarter of the tourism spend here comes from Australians uh, in any given year. So that Trans-Tasman bubble will be really, really helpful. And, and I think in particular of areas like Queenstown, uh, what a help it is for them when you can get direct flights in. Uh, but in, in general, uh, for the hospitality sector, for for the airports, for uh, the airlines, that'll be a real help. Uh, and I think we'll we'll see people uh, wanting to travel more trans-Tasman over the, uh, while, while that bubble gets in place. So that's one of those things that from the tourist sector, probably the quicker the better, but clearly from a health perspective, we don't want to have done all these hard yards uh, just to blow it. The border yeah. is, is, is clearly the way that um, we could have an outbreak. So there's a little way to go yet, um, but that'll be a really positive development if it happens over the coming months. And I know you you, you spend quite a lot of time um, speaking to people in Queenstown on quite a regular basis and stuff. And I know you like you like going down there, and I try and accompany you down there as much as I can as well. But what, what's the what's the feeling in Queenstown at the moment? Are they a bit more optimistic because they've had it they've had it real tough uh, for a while? Yeah, places like that. Um, there's a, there's a really interesting dynamic uh, and, and balancing act in, in places like Queenstown um, and any of the really tourist-focused areas because on the one hand, the tourists bring in an awful lot of money and on the other hand, they put a lot of strain on the infrastructure. And so I think there's a lot of thoughts about how do we get it right with tourism in the future, uh, but there's just so many businesses down there that, uh, that really want uh, tourists to come back, you know, from from someone that owns a, a, a holiday home that might have it on Airbnb through to uh, to a restaurant owner that needs those customers and uh, and as possibly also getting staff from uh, from overseas as well so the whole uh, the whole economy down there is is really impacted by this and uh, probably more than than anywhere else just because the tourism sector is such a big part of the uh, the economy He's hoping for some good snow down there as well. That will certainly help them as well, wouldn't it? But, um, and if they open up the Trans-Tasman bubble, that it could be sort of a bit of a bumper year down there. Oh, good ski season, I think, would be great. And for New Zealanders, I think that this is a good opportunity for us to travel. That's already being pushed. Places like that have got very crowded, uh, very expensive. So this could be our year to, to be able to travel there a little bit easier than we have in the past and to a certain extent have the place to to ourselves which will be a little bit different but i think all around new zealand that domestic tourism story will be will be really welcomed and a really important part of the recovery for that sector and there's a long way to go that's a that's a sector i think of when we do this 95 percent uh, thing about the economy if you talk to a, a, a travel operator or someone in hospitality they're going you're kidding right it's we're not even started yet so they'll be looking forward to those developments over the coming months
It's interesting how uh, you know, the amount of times when we've spoken, you've always talked about businesses will react. You know, when things aren't going well, they'll try and try and do things differently and think differently. And I suppose a really good example is Jetstar coming coming out pretty large yesterday around how they're going to start flying and cheap flights just to sort of, you know, they've obviously seen an opportunity to really start to get a bit of a stranglehold uh, in New Zealand, which which has got to be good, a bit of competition and uh, being able to fly a bit more around the country. That's it. And and having some confidence that this is the good thing with such a good health outcome for New Zealand. Uh, the I think the worst thing that uh, could happen now is to have to go back into lockdown. And so at least now we can be pretty confident in the domestic travel side of things, uh, but for airlines in particular to to scale down, scale up, scale down again is really, really difficult. So I think no one wants to go back in lockdown. And so them coming back as a, as a mark of confidence in the domestic travel and hopefully some trans-Tasman ta- travel that's going to follow on afterwards. So I think there's some things which we've just got to give ourselves a big tick for at the moment and hopefully they'll keep on just ticking along well like uh, like it seems like they are at the moment. Yeah. Now, talking about ticking along nicely, the, the global share markets have just had a miraculous uh, recovery. If you go back to sort of, you know, end of February, early March, when we were having daily significant falls and, um, you know, there's a lot of panic around the world, like the recovery has just been astonishing, really, and how um, quickly that share markets have uh, recovered and the sort of US market back to where it where it was. It's it's. Um, are you surprised by that, Chris? I am, in, in the sense that I think that there's still a long way to go. There's still things that could go wrong. Uh, markets do tend to look through a lot of the negativity. We we go through times like March where we where we think of everything that could go wrong, and then we get quite optimistic, like like now. I think when I look at the markets, they're correctly factoring in the incredible level of of uh, support from governments, the incredibly low interest rates we're going to have. The question for the future is how long does this drag out internationally and what does that mean for for things like the aviation industry in in particular? Uh, But for us, uh, successfully getting back to loot level zero and and 100% uh, economic performance will, will rely on a lot of other countries doing as well as we have in terms of stamping out COVID-19. And that looks a long way off. So uh, that, those are the things which I think over the coming months uh, could give the markets the jitters again. And the other thing which uh, is just going to happen is we're going to see a lot more companies needing to restructure, needing to recapitalise over the over the next six months as they adjust to the to the new world, whatever that is. But it's been it's been a really great, time for people that have just stayed put and and ridden out the volatility and stuck with the long-term game uh, to to have seen markets recover so uh, so that's that's encouraging but i don't think uh, we can go hey it's all over now and it'll be plain selling from here on and there's still plenty of things to to happen and to digest over the yeah. over the rest of the year you're dead right it's been like a really you know it's been hasn't been enjoyable at all and not and often painful but if you think about the last three months it's a really good example of why you know like you talk about it i continuously talk about it about like it is about your plan and the, and taking that sort of medium to long term view and not and not reacting to what's happening in the moment in the in the short term and you know for all those all those people who actually you know, stayed with it and focused on the on their goal in the longer term. Have actually done really well out of the um, the last 
uh, few months um, rather than if you've if you've had to sort of if you've made a choice to get out of the market um, and crystallize some loss. So it, it has it has sort of reinforced that you need to take that sort of longer term longer term view. But I appreciate it's never it's never comfortable or easy, is it? Yeah, I try. What I try and do is sort of make a mental snapshot of how worried I was when markets were really in despair. And then how you can change that sentiment a few months later. And then when ine inevitably this happens in the future, I can recall, okay, last time this happened, I know I felt really uncomfortable. And I know in uh, six months' time, I was glad I stuck with my strategy. So uh, that's uh, that's my way of dealing with it. And for me, uh, if, if the past 30 years have been anything to go by, I'll probably have another one or two bouts of negativity like this between now and when I retire, that's for sure. So I know that that sort of mental preparation for the bad times is required uh, if you want to get to that uh, that end goal of growing your money really nicely uh, via investing. And just sort of moving away a little bit from sort of COVID-19, is there, is there anything else that we should be watching out for, like sort of maybe some tensions in China or we've got elections around the world here in, in the US. Are those things now starting to take a little bit more prominence in your in your thinking and what we should be thinking about? Yeah, the the China tensions I think just aren't going to go away. We've just they've gone on the back seat at the moment. Um, we've got the terrible protests in the in the states at the moment, which is their main focus. But through it all there's been a couple of releases from the White House about their relationship with China. And it's hard not to see those tensions coming roaring back. Uh, Trump's got a lot on his plate at the moment, uh, but those tensions will return. And, and it, the States has really done a fundamental reevaluation of their relationship with China. So that's going to be a theme. It's going to keep people worried about global growth, even if the COVID-19 threat to growth starts to fade away or, or or people become a little bit more comfortable about it uh those those trade tensions i think could could come a second wave of COVID 19 is not something people are worrying about too much but if you look in places like brazil there's a lot of cases uh coming on there likewise in russia even in, in some of the states in america so there's still plenty of things that could rattle investors and so i think there'll be a lot to watch and and the elections will be the biggie. I think it's going to be a really nasty time for for, for headlines coming out of the States. It's, I just think that will be a pretty bitter battle um, in the, over the next few months. Here, I, we've got our, our own political stuff going on, um, and, and so it'll heat up a little bit here. But I think the arguments in New Zealand will be way closer to the centre of the political spectrum and and not not quite as uh, personal as they uh, seem to get in the states these days. And as uh, if I go back to some previous conversations, uh, and I you know always caveat this by you're not you're not a Trump fan. I know I, I know I joke about you and, and Mr. Trump, but you were always quite sort of buoyant that um, well not buoyant but that he would get a second term just because of, you know, share markets roaring away, unemployment going down. But uh, do you think that's potentially changed? That's just the way that um, he's coped with COVID, some of the, the, the latest things that's going on in the States as well. Is that? Do you think that's um, affected his uh, opportunity for a second term? Do you think there's more of a groundswell? There seems to be a little bit of more infighting going on in the... Uh, Republican Party? Yeah, the, I think so. The, I think it has changed quite a bit. 
Um, my uh, my thinking in the past has been if the if the share market's up and the unemployment rate's falling, so the economy's creating jobs and people's retirement plans are looking healthy, uh, that's a really big really big tick for the economy. And so before COVID nineteen came along, everything was moving in the right direction. Where I looked pretty hard to derail the incumbent, and then you've got COVID-19 and everything turns on its head. The The share market's come back, uh, but a lot of jobs have been lost. So, and, and there's a lot of question marks about how the, how the whole process is getting handled right now. So that's going to be the story for America and, and for Trump, is how well does he manage getting the economy back on its feet over the next few months and get people back into believing he's, uh, he's doing a good job. And for the for the Democrats, they really need to galvanise some support uh, from their uh, from those middle ground voters and uh, and and get in behind uh, Biden. So it'll be it'll be an interesting thing to watch. But I'm, I think I'd be pretty glad that I'm in New Zealand, not over over there. It's much much closer, totally. I think, for the Democrats yeah. now than it was six months ago. Yeah. Do you, I don't know if you heard his latest quote, uh, Trump, where he was asked about the sort of, you know, he was talking about the police force in the States and going and he sort of quoted on oh, 99.9 .9, and then he corrected himself and he dropped the 0.9 and he went 99% of them are you know good people. <laughs> what happened to the other 0.9 all of a sudden he changed his mind. He just he just keeps on coming out with it, doesn't he? It's quite incredible. But, uh... Oh, it's, it's remarkable and... and we you'd think you were reading two completely different stories if you if you read the various media sources over there and you know that's one of the good things about being an economist as we as we do have access to an awful lot of research and an awful lot of things to read but it's uh, it's it's pretty amazing uh, what what you read and our uh, our politics here just looks so so simple by comparison so my poor old dad he's right in the thick of it and uh, and not enjoying it too much at the moment they're uh, they're self-isolating even though they're coming out of the lockdown over there they're seeing so many cases around them um when they read the in the in the media and and read the um the statistics that they don't want to go out of their home so it's just so different there compared to new zealand at the moment so yeah we uh I've said it probably about 10 times before we get through the podcast, just how happy I am being in New Zealand. And talking to Dad yeah, exactly. uh, gives me a first-hand example of that every couple of days. And I'm, I'm sure you must be the same was, with friends in the UK that are not in the same position. Oh, yeah, it's not so bad. I, I speak to my dad on a weekly basis, and he's on his own now. But I, I said to him at the beginning of lockdown, I said, oh, how are you, how are you coping with isolation? He goes, well, I pretty much self-isolate every day of the week anyway. Because only the postman and the uh, newspaper boy come to the front door, so he's, he's actually life is pretty sweet. And, uh, there's less people in the supermarket. Uh, he could go at a, he could go at sort of the old age pensioners time, so he could get around quicker and stuff. So he's actually quite, he's actually quite enjoying it in a in a funny sort of way. And uh, as long as he gets the, as long as he gets the papers, he's uh, he's pretty happy, and the weather's pretty good as now. So he's he's all good, which is good. But, uh, hey, and just finally, I think. Um, we, and I know you get lots of questions, I do as well, but this sort of uh, uh, question around negative interest rates keeps coming up. You know, interest rates are so low. We've seen some of the uh, some of the mortgage rates just being sort of, you know, historic lows are quite incredible with you know, twos in front of them. Um, but just can you just quickly touch on negative interest rates and where, where you, what's the view currently of, uh, of you of are we going there or is it is it 
too 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 soon to to call yeah the negative interest rates do come up a lot and the reserve bank has mentioned them as a potential tool that they could use um, so the important things are firstly it's just an option but what we're talking about is a negative official cash rate not negative term deposit rates or anything like that so we still we actually don't think the reserve bank will end up using a negative official cash rate in the future uh, particularly if the recovery goes well from here on in um, they they could possibly just stick with the current uh, cash rate setting um, but we certainly don't think term deposit rates will go negative but the risk is they still keep getting lower they're now all between one and two percent um, for the for the longer terms whereas they used to be between two and three and a couple of years ago they were um, between three and five percent so they just keep getting chipped down and the risk is that they they get lower or even if they don't do that just stay low for for years um, so that's tough news for savers those really conservative savers on the other hand we've got these low mortgage rates and the crazy question i get when we say we've got a record low mortgage rate um, i never get asked okay i'm going to fill my boots on that people say oh should i wait are they going to get lower uh, but they are starting to get down towards the uh, the the trough now i think uh, we're seeing them well under three percent now for um for some of the popular terms around the uh, around the one and two year mark, and uh, those are extremely low mortgage rates, and that's a that's a supporting factor for the for the recovery is that households once they get confidence in their um, job security, um, once they can uh, roll into these lower term rates, or first home buyers can can finance their purchase hopefully at these lower rates. Um, It'll, it'll, it'll help to have the low interest rates supporting the economy. And of course, the other bit that's important is uh, these, these low business rates that are available now. We keep talking about mortgage rates, but there's business lending rates that are lower as well. So that's an expense for business, and it's good to see that it's as, as low as possible. So that's part of the growth phase, and I think it's going to be part of the backdrop for the economy is low-term deposits, low mortgages over the next year or two, but not negative. And that's uh, and the and the advantage of the Reserve Bank using negative interest rate. What actually is that? Like, it's just a, as you say, another tool for them, or what? What, what benefit would it be for us? Well, it really is just a penalty on banks for holding excess reserves. So it encourages banks to to get out and lend all the money that they've got. So uh, whereas at the moment, um, well, actually, if we put our money with the Reserve Bank, um, it's like putting a term deposit. You get uh, you get nothing. Um, it's just an overnight rate. Uh, whereas at times when the Reserve Bank wants to cool the economy down, like think before the global financial crisis, the official cash rate was eight and a quarter percent. So we'd actually make money by placing it overnight with the with the Reserve Bank back in those days. If the cash rate went negative, we'd get penalised for placing cash with the Reserve Bank overnight. So it works in the same way that lifting and lowering the official cash rate does. Uh, but it's really all about driving interest rates for for borrowers down as low as possible. But um, so, say in Japan, for example, where they've got a negative official cash rate, effectively term deposit rates are about zero, and mortgages are lower than they are here in here in New Zealand. So uh, that's something the Reserve Bank could do, but we don't think that they'll need to do it. So uh, we're probably just going to see these low rates that we've got now. Uh, hanging around for a year or two is what we're uh, is what we're thinking. Great, cool. Hey, really good explanation. Thanks for that. So, uh, hey, I might just call to a halt there, Chris. It's been uh, awesome talking to you. Um, and actually, hopefully, this is going to be our last virtual one. And next time we do a podcast, we'll be sitting back in our booth with um, 
some cheese and some crackers and maybe um, a glass of red wine. So, um, uh, but I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you again today. And uh, even though it's virtually, and maybe next time in a week or so, we'll uh, we'll do it face to face, and I can give you a hug, and we can uh, rekindle <laughs> our, uh, our, our and forget all about our social distancing. <laughs> Excellent. Hey, I look forward to uh, that. It's a Friday afternoon podcast. Sounds uh, sounds like a great idea for a week or two. And uh, I'm sure there's going to be plenty to keep talking about. The uh, Hopefully the worst is behind us, but there's going to be plenty more uh, news developments over the coming months. So I look forward to that. All right. All right. Good talking to you. Keep safe, be kind and see you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us today on the ASB Investment Podcast. If you have any thoughts on today's episode, or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss on future shows, please fire your suggestions through to podcasts at asb.co.nz.